If you know anything about EdTech, you know that K-12, yes, that's, that's exploding. And so I think, you know, in the same way that the academic end of things, in the same way that they're getting creative and thinking about using technology, how do we innovate, how do we capture more, you know, target markets and all of that stuff. Where is that conversation on the student engagement side of things? Welcome to In Your Element, a podcast on the Enrollify Podcast Network and brought to you by Element 451, an advanced student engagement CRM providing hired institutions with a competitive admissions advantage from recruitment to enrollment through the use of AI. On each show, we ask five questions about current challenges, exciting opportunities, and what's next in higher education. I'm your host, Eric Stoller, and on today's show, Christina Ferrari shares her perspective on student engagement, specifically how to engage with graduate students when they typically have more responsibilities than they did when they were undergrads. So was it realistic to expect graduate students to come to events to support on-campus initiatives and truly care about what's going on at their university? It's one of the challenges that Christina faces. Right now, she's the Assistant Director of Student Engagement at Columbia University, where she leads all aspects of campus life for more than 1,400 grad students and coordinates over 200 events a year. And that passion for student engagement, it started back when she was an undergrad. Like a lot of folks in student affairs, I was very involved as an undergrad student. Um, at DePaul University, you know, the, the mission is really centered around service. And that was my home as a college student, right? I was very involved in service learning opportunities, um, even campus ministry, coordinating retreats, and really helping my peers immerse themselves in the community and myself and learn from the community and with the community. And that really inspired me to start a career where I could do that for college students, you know, in multiple campuses. Prior to her time at Columbia University, Christina's career has included stints at a number of higher ed institutions, including Oregon State University, Roosevelt University, Loyola University in Chicago, the University of Illinois at Chicago, Valparaiso University, and the Fashion Institute of Technology. And in a world where events are both virtual and in-person, Christina has a big job on her hands. You know, you're Assistant Director of Student Engagement. What does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so at Columbia University, you know, it's such a rich community with a lot of different schools, and they all operate very differently. So at the Mailman School of Public Health, I am within the Office of Student Affairs, and we're a small but mighty team, and I'm the only full-time staff member overseeing all student engagement opportunities. And so what that often means is that I am partnering very heavily with the graduate students who are more than capable of coordinating events and initiatives and really looking for that experience. They want to walk away having made an impact on the school community and apply what they're learning professionally and, you know, academically to the needs of the communities and the world around them. And so um, a lot of times it's helping them think creatively about how to do that. We both come from the traditional student affairs world, uh, where student engagement is something that is spoken about pretty much every other sentence. 
But oftentimes when we're talking about student engagement in that context, we're talking about undergraduate students. That's where a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, the theoretical frameworks come from. So what does student engagement look like and how is it different for graduate students? You know, I think it depends on the culture of the students. But for me, I got to admit, when I got this role, I was excited, but also very nervous about what would working with graduate students be like? Would they take me seriously? Would I be able to fill a need? You know, I'm someone where being able to create and leave an impact is really important to me. So I wasn't sure what that would look like with graduate students. And what I'm finding, and again, public health students, as we know from the last year and a half, right, the work of public health is ultimately about how do we rise communities up, help them overcome, whether it's a pandemic crisis situation or chronic illness or social um, and economic discrepancies. And so these are students who, not unlike the world of student affairs, want to help people. And so my role when it comes to student engagement is thinking about how can we create educational opportunities outside of the classroom that serve as an extension to what they're learning in the classroom? And for example, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a student who was very passionate about gun violence and you know, had a personal story around that. Um, and it was right on the heels of the Parkland shooting where she came into my office. She said, Christina, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, well, let's see who else is thinking about this. We put together an event that ultimately just became an opportunity for people to to gather and process what happened. And then from there, that group started to inform what has now evolved into Gun Violence Action Week, which takes place every year, coordinated largely by students, but of course, supported by my team and myself. And it is basically an advocacy week looking at the epidemic of gun violence. And we partner with alumni, we partner with community organizations, we work with clinicians. So I work at the Medical Center campus, um, which is such a rich and vibrant place where nurses and doctors and dentists and public health professionals are all sharing space together, as well as, of course, at the hospital, New York Presbyterian and Cornell. So Gun Violence Action Week has become just a lovely example of how if you create the right environment, graduate students are going to be motivated to bring and infuse their passion into campus programming. And so that's a lot of what I do. You know, grad students oftentimes, they have a lot on their plates. How do you get their attention? How do you, how do you sort of do student engagement with people who have a lot of other things that are trying to engage them? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, I think, you know, it's not realistic for anyone to assume that 100% of their student body will know about what you're doing, let alone participate, right? That being said, I think you have to offer a smattering of levels of engagement, right? There are things that we do that's a, you know, passive program, if you will, where, you know, come by, grab something or, you know, make a quick little, you know, kind of de-stress activity and then be on your way. There's other things that, you know, again, people are 
so excited and they, they're looking for skills and they're looking to walk away with things that their classes can't give them. That I have, for example, a semester long fellowship, research fellowship that I partner with some faculty on. They're taking up hours every week doing community-based participatory research and then spending their spring break going to Puerto Rico. Where it's not all fun and games. We are collecting um, data in Puerto Rico, and then they're coming back and they're analyzing it on top of everything else that they're doing. So, you know, some students are looking for an immersive, exhaustive experience and others, they're not. So you have to be able to offer the whole spectrum of opportunities. Sure. Oh, it, makes, it makes total sense. So I guess getting a bit more granular then, what are the tactics that work best for graduate student engagement? And specifically, how do you incorporate technology into that mix? Yeah. So, you know, I think technology has such rich potential to help fill some of these needs, right? And when we moved to a totally virtual academic year last year, uh, we tried to keep a lot of the same kinds of things that we offered. And we used, you know, Zoom, we used um, what many campuses were using. And I think it's important to be aware of how technology might be evolving or improving to figure out how best to meet those students in a virtual environment. For example, interprofessional education is something we talk a lot about on my campus. And for those who don't know, it's essentially the idea of people from different professions, students from different professions, learning from each other and together. And so, you know, one of the ways that we were able to use some technology to help students do that virtually last year was we essentially modeled off of academic experiences, right? Using Canvas and Articulate Rise to build out some asynchronous activities and then facilitating synchronous breakout rooms to process that activity. And so I think it's just, it's being flexible. It's realizing that not everything will translate to the virtual environment, but quite a bit can. I think the biggest thing is just having student feedback every step of the way. So we prepared something. We had some students look at it and give us feedback. You know, we had alumni who um, were familiar with what we did last year, comment or share um, some thoughts so we could better improve the experience virtually. Now, a lot of times when people talk about, you know, communication strategies and engagement strategies with undergraduate students, they often sort of lament that maybe students don't check or respond uh, to emails. And they say, well, it's got to be all on social media or text message. Like what works best uh, for the grad students that you work with? Mm -hmm. Good question. So, you know, it's interesting. First of all, Facebook is dead. Like we still create class Facebook pages, but I, I think they're only on it because we have a class page for them. Um, so, you know, I think um, we certainly do leverage social media like Instagram and um, Twitter. But I think, to be honest with you, it's partnering really closely with other areas of your school or university to streamline communications. And so, for example, 
email we do use to announce things. You know, we try to partner with departments to help them put it on their listservs. And then we also do use student engagement platforms. Like we use um, Engage from Campus Labs. And folks know that that system is really specific to student engagement offerings. Um, And then they log into either a campus calendar or to Canvas for academic. They can kind of select to log in to see the student engagement stuff. It's really interesting, sort of the the, the way it's like a recipe and everybody gets to, uh, uh, you know, the outcomes are, you know, usually around the same, but it's the the sort of ways in which they get there are very different. Definitely. Yeah. And and it's a little bit counterintuitive because, you know, people say, oh, I want everything in one place. Sometimes that's great. Other times that's overwhelming. And then they're going to gloss over you. Yeah. What do you think is the, the aspect that makes it overwhelming? I think it's when someone doesn't have an eye to, to visuals and detail and layout. Um, and there's in, there's multiple things pulling for your attention. I think also frequency. You know, mm. we have a weekly email that we send and we try to plan things out in advance where they know to click in to engage, for example, um, looking at the week ahead. And that's the thing that I will say with graduate students. They plan ahead. They have their little planner. I work, I work with a lot of folks, or I, I know that our student, many of them, they're the type to map out their week. And so knowing that can help us guide how we advertise our offerings to them. Wow, cool. Well, thanks, thanks for that. Um, I always think it's good to sort of dig into certain questions and answers to sort of get a little bit more out of it. Now, it's been a challenging year and a half for higher ed. How did that impact your work as someone who I know coordinates something like like a 200 plus events? <laughs> yeah, well, so, and it's not just me, right? I have a really great team of student leaders and partners, but yes, we, you know, our data shows that we're churning out dozens of events um, a month and uh, yeah, uh, nearly 200 a year. Um, I think certainly when we went virtual, that did scale down a bit. And so for us, First of all, as a school of public health, right, I feel really fortunate in that my student body understood the measures that were taking place and why we were moving virtual. And, you know, I it wasn't so much it was a challenge, right? Overnight, their experience changed. And for most of our students who are only there two years, a huge chunk of their experience, almost the entirety of their experience for some was completely altered, you know, so students had high expectations of the product we would be delivering, right? Like they didn't expect a virtual year, but when we went virtual, they wanted the same robust offerings that we had. And and frankly, for me as an educator, I felt I owed it to them, right? So we didn't have the volume, but we tried to keep the caliber of offerings. For example, one of the things that we that we thought about was, you know, how can these students who very much vocally said, we want to be involved in this effort, right? If you remember, Eric, back in March of 2020, New York City was the epicenter. So our students were looking for ways to contribute to their community, right? Which is what they would have done if we were all in person pre-pandemic. We'd be doing various 
service learning opportunities and community engagement opportunities. And now that we're virtual, we partnered with our hospital, New York Presbyterian. We worked very closely with the uh, other schools at the medical center. And in fact, largely driven by students, both public health and our physicians and surgeon students, we formed what became the COVID-19 Student Service Corps, which at one point had thousands of Columbia University students contributing to different efforts related to the pandemic. Wow, that's amazing. It, it was incredible to see. And again, I think that's a great example of how graduate students can still own their experience. And we just need to help figure out how to make that possible through, you know, technology and other means. Well, so one of the themes for the show is the sort of like unifying themes is it's all about student success. And I think one of the themes that's emerging from this conversation just with you, Christina, is the students, you know, at the center of everything. So what needs to change in student affairs to provide engagement that matches up with the needs of all students? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, graduate students and even folks returning or just getting certifications, right? If you if you know anything about ed tech, you know that K-12, yes, that's that's exploding, but higher ed is too, as is upskilling and workforce credentialing and micro credentials. And so I think, you know, in the same way that the academic end of things, in the same way that they're getting creative and thinking about using technology, how do we innovate? How do we capture more, you know, target markets and all of that stuff? Where is that conversation on the student engagement side of things, right? Like, you know, who's thinking about that student journey? What is service learning, for example? What does that look like online? You know, we figured that out. You know, my, my team and I, we figured that out through our research fellowship that I talked about before. We were able to still do some cool things virtually and help with creating infographics to distribute in San Juan and, you know, some remote service learning. COVID-19 student service core that I just talked about, that was all virtual. But, you know, from a from a robust student involvement, student engagement perspective, I'm not seeing a lot utilizing and leveraging technology. And I really think that that is, if, you know, if we want to say that a virtual experience can be developmental, not maybe not as developmental or informative as an on-campus experience, that's debatable. But um, if we want to really talk about the value of what those offerings are, we have to think about the other pieces of that student experience in a virtual world. Why do you think the adoption lags behind on that side? You know, you mentioned sort of the academic side of things. I mean, it's harder, right? Like, you know, we all know a Zoom meeting face-to-face is not the same thing as being in the room with the same person, right? We know that. Um, virtual events are just not, they don't hold a candle to the, to in-person. Well, you say that, of course, being from Columbia, which is all about people coming to a physical campus now. And just to push back a tad bit, you know, there's online-only programs that True. You know, geographically disperse students and they're crying, you know, tears right now because, of course, they're being told that their experience maybe isn't as good. Mm, great point. Yes. I think that, you know, what we are seeing and what COVID is really teaching us is that students can learn. In fact, some students, some of our students learned better 
during this past year virtually, right? And so the learning, the knowledge acquisition, there may be ways to really um, create a very robust experience. And certainly there's a lot of energy there. I think the student engagement piece, and it's not to say that nobody is thinking about that or doing that because there are, in fact, there are folks who are doing it pre-COVID, but on a large scale, on a student affairs lens that I, that I have right now, right? I don't know that I've seen a NASPA presentation about this. I don't know that I've read articles or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. That's my next question, actually. I was going to ask you about sort of where do you go for, you know, for professional development to enhance that that student engagement knowledge and skills and as well as like the evolution. And you just sort of answered mm-hmm. it before I even asked it around, oh. you know, well, I'm not seeing that. I'm not, you know, where do you go then? Yeah. Well, so it's funny that you say that because um, I think, you know, I was reflecting on this very thing because ASU and the GSB Summit is happening through today. I think honestly, and it was COVID that helped me be pointed in this direction a bit. Um, It's not only just the student affairs, professional development opportunities, right? I still seek those out. I still have a community there. I've had the opportunity to serve in some leadership roles there. But I think I've extended as my career has moved on. And also, too, I've worked at places that were not your traditional campus. You know, prior to this, I was at FIT, which is the Fashion Institute of Technology, a very cool school that is art and design and business in the world of retail and, um, you know, accessory and fashion. And so pretty niche, right? So I find that I'm, I'm not only looking to your typical student affairs, professional development opportunities, I'm also targeting the folks who are having the ed tech conversation. Um, and I'm seeking out materials from, for those, you know, within those spaces. And then also too, right, um, because I, I'm not a public health professional, I'm looking at what the fields of their profession are doing, right? So the American Public Health Association, for one. So it's a combination. And I, I, it's exciting to see that, especially in the ed tech space, there is more that's coming out in terms of supporting staff and faculty. And so, you know, if there's a silver lining with COVID, I think that might be part of it. So push things ahead a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's a great answer. Thanks for that. I, I know it's always interesting to sort of you know, reveal where you go to learn more. Um, so I always ask every single person on this show a bonus question. Picture this. You've got an unlimited budget for digital transformation as it relates to student engagement. What technology or functionality would you invest in? Yeah. Wow. Gosh, I need to think about that. And you don't that. have to name names. It could be more just like functionality-based things, things you wish you could do? I definitely think if there were ways to have students connect to alumni and each other and faculty really easily, like, you know, building those communities, maybe, for example, I'm thinking about our students who have pretty specific interests professionally and also personally. So so, sort of like peer-to-peer stuff. Yeah. But extending it outward and sort of multi-directional stuff around faculty can come in and and engage and, 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 you know, alumni can as well. 
Yeah. And that, you know, it could be a platform for not just learning, but, you know, affinity groups for folks who share identities or, you know, where they can they can find commonality really easily, like a social network for our school. But, you know, something that's more dynamic than just that, because, you know, I find students were so isolated and, and feel so isolated in that virtual space. It's harder to form those organic connections um, and find each other. Right. Sort of the bonds that, that kind of naturally are created when you're you know, talking to people at a, at a cafe over a coffee or something a little bit more yeah. challenging in some ways when it's in the virtual environment. Well, thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to come on the show. Christina Ferrari, I uh, really appreciate you coming on in your element today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. And thank you for um, really helping to shape a, a conversation across this industry um, for what we can do more for students. That was Christina Ferrari from Columbia University. For more on the Mailman School of Public Health, visit publichealth.columbia.edu. Thank you for listening to In Your Element, brought to you by Element 451 and part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. You can find more about the Element 451 Student Engagement CRM at element451.com. And if you like what you heard, please give us a rating and review and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Eric Stoller, and we'll see you next time on In Your Element.